Hi everyone, this is Danny, and welcome to our first podcast on the White Tiger, which is the first text that we're going to be studying this year in Year 12 English. So just a few little things for housekeeping keeping before we get into the actual information. Uh, this is my first time making a podcast, you can probably tell. I'm still learning how to use this technology and the best way to go about making these podcasts so that they're clear and easy for people to access and to use. So if you guys have any feedback for me, feel free to let me know. Also, when you listen to this, if you think you have any questions or there's something that I covered that wasn't exactly clear, feel free to get in contact with me. You can either Facebook me, you can speak to me in or after class, that's fine, or you can email me. But I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you guys might have. Uh, my purpose for this podcast is that it's not trying to be a summary of the novel. It's not going to tell you step by step, this is exactly what happened. This is the plot points that you need to know. Rather, I'm using it as a way to have a method to put down some thoughts that I have about the text down so that you guys are able to access it and record, have that information recorded for you so that you can listen to it in the lead up to Saxon exams. So hopefully this will be a useful tool for all of you. The next piece of advice that I want to give you all before we actually get into the nitty gritty is that I think it's probably a really good idea that you have a copy of the White Tiger in front of you as we go because I'm going to be referring to some quotes and things that actually happen within the pages of the book. So it might be really useful for your future study to have a copy of the book in front of you when you listen to these podcasts so that you can annotate and highlight information and you can use it as a resource down the line. Another final bit of information that I want you guys to have before we get into it is that I think it's going to be a really good idea if you make notes while you listen to this. I think it's not really effective to simply just listen. It's a good idea to actually physically type out notes or handwrite out notes as you listen to these podcasts so that you've actually got something physical that you can look back on later in the year and also when it comes time for your stack so that you actually have something in front of you that you can look through. Um, studies have shown with my classes that a lot of students place a lot of value on their notes. So if you actually keep something with a lot of detail, it's going to help you in your study or revision further down the line. So let's actually get into it. Chapter 1, The First Night. The first thing to note on the very first page of the book is the fact that this novel is written in an epistolary form. So what that means is it's actually a novel that's written as a series of letters from one character to the other. So the protagonist, Balram, is writing a series of letters to uh, Wenjabao, the premier of China. So that's actually a really important thing that you guys need to keep in mind. It's not a traditional novel in the way that you know it. It is actually a series of letters. And it opens up discussion to, well, why is it that Aravind Adiga has structured his novel in such a way? What's the point of actually writing, you know, his novel in a series of letters from one character to the other? What does it allow him to do? What's important about this particular form. We'll get into all of that later as we go, but those are just a couple of things that I want you to take note of right as we start looking at the book. The first little quote that I want to draw your attention to is when it says, from the desk, this is page one, from the desk of 
the white tiger, a thinking man and an entrepreneur living in the world's centre of technology and outsourcing, Electronic City Phase 1, just off Hauser Main Road, Bangalore, India. This is a novel of contrasts. We're going to get into that more as we, you know, go deeper into the novel. But there's some really brutal, horrific scenes in this novel, but there's also some really warm humour. I actually find Balaram, the protagonist who's writing these letters, to be, while extremely dark at times, actually hilariously funny. So there are moments of humour in this novel, and that's a really important technique that... Adiga uses. I think that he wants to at times make his reader laugh as they read about the exploits of Balram and also his candid honesty. On the surface of things, he appears to be a really honest and candid protagonist, but as we get further and deeper into the narrative, the reader starts to question, well, just how honest and forthcoming is Balram actually? Whether you're reading this book for the first time or if you're listening to these podcasts after you've actually read through the book once, I think that we can all agree that Balram, the protagonist, is a really fascinating character. The first quote that I want to draw your attention to is on one of the first few pages of the novel when he's speaking to, well, he's writing to the premier and he says, In my way, sir... I consider myself one of your kind. He says that after mentioning that he thinks that the Premier is a great man. And I think it's really interesting because Balram sees himself in a number of ways. At points in the novel, he refers to himself as a monster, a freak, something that, or someone that is very different from the ordinary people that inhabit the earth. But sometimes he's filled with this sense of grandiosity where he he thinks that he's better than everyone else that's around him. He is more intelligent, he's more cunning, he's more powerful. And when I said that this is a novel of contrast, that extends at almost every level in the book. It's a world of contrast in terms of the India that Adiga presents, very wealthy, very poor. Uh, very modern, very traditional. It also extends to Balram himself, very candid, but very secretive, very honest, but very arrogant. And I think that this idea of contrast is a really important idea or concern that Adiga built into his text. He wants us to see that as we go along. The first chapter of the novel primarily exists, I think, as a way to introduce the framing of the text in that it's a series of letters. And it's also a way of introducing the reader to Balram. He's our protagonist, and this book is written in the first person. So what that means is he, he says I a lot, and it's told through Balram's eyes. We get to experience his thoughts that he hides from the world around him we see things through his eyes so everything that Balram describes to us needs to be taken with a grain of salt because it's all through his perspective and his way of seeing the world so something that we need to do as a reader is to seriously think about well how honest is he being? Uh, how has bias or how has his own emotions impacted on the way that he sees the world? So he views himself as a great man. Does that necessarily mean that the reader should? 
So Balram discovers that the Premier of China is due to visit Bangalore and he hears on the radio, this is a quote, that Mr. Jiaobao is on a mission. He wants to know the truth about Bangalore. And it's really fascinating if you look at that very next line, my blood froze, that's Balram. Why is it that his blood freezes? What is it about Bangalore? So Bangalore, we're going to cover this in class, is a large city in India. Balram is struck with the possibility of being able to reveal his truth, his version of what India is. And I think that's something that's also really important to keep in mind. This is a book that details Balram's thoughts and feelings about the world and how he sees it. But it's the world as he sees it. It's his individual interpretation of the world around him. So everything that he's describing about India doesn't necessarily make it so or make it true. It's India through Balram's eyes. It's how he views it and how he interprets it. If we go on a little bit, he says, if anyone knows the truth about Bangalore, it's me. Adiyu uses setting in a really fascinating way in this novel. Setting is incredibly important because while it is primarily, well, completely set in India, other characters come from outside India, but while it is set in India, it moves around with several different cities. And each of the cities that are touched on in the novel are meant to represent a different stage in Balaram's emotional or psychological development. So we're going to go into that more as we go through the novel, but I just thought it might be an interesting thing to take into account. India, the country and the, world, the way that Balaram describes it is incredibly important. So as we go on a little bit further... Balram is really struck by this idea that he should take this opportunity to write, write letters to the Premier of China describing India and the way that he sees it. And what this allows Adiga to do by having his protagonist write series of letters to the Premier of China is that Balram's story gets wound up in the story of India. His story is meant to represent something personal, absolutely, but it's also meant to represent a wider story. So Balram's story is meant to represent a story of India as well, how one tale can represent something larger. So as we go on a little bit further throughout the novel, there's some really interesting moments of foreshadowing. So foreshadowing is a technique that's used by filmmakers and writers where they hint at something that's going to happen later on in the text. So the example that I'm going to give is a couple of pages into the novel. I won't give the page number because we might all have different editions. But Balram says, I was a servant once you see. Very interesting contrast because so far he's described himself as a powerful man, as a man of action and change, which is a direct quote. But now the reader finds out that this man of action and change and power was a servant once. So what Adiga there is trying to do is to build our interest. So when was he a servant? What happened? Why is he no longer a servant? And all of that is meant to build up and build our sense of anticipation for what's going to be coming. 
Another interesting quote that Balaram makes to the Premier of China, and it also hints at why he's writing to the Premier of China in particular, is that he says, only three nations have never let themselves be ruled by foreigners, China, Afghanistan, and Abyssinia. These are the only three nations that I respect and admire. So out of all the nations on planet Earth, Balaram only admires those who have not had a master, who have not been ruled. A very interesting attitude for somebody who just revealed moments ago that he was once a servant. So why is it he admires people that have never been ruled so much? Adiga will go into that shortly, but it's an interesting thing to make note of now. So as this chapter progresses, Balaram starts to build into the narrative and begins to start telling his backstory. But some interesting things that come up before he actually starts telling his life story is that he reveals that he's a self-taught entrepreneur. And that idea of being an entrepreneur is another really important one. It gets revisited time and time again throughout the novel. And Balaram actually says that India is a place that has millions of entrepreneurs. And for those of you that don't know, it might be useful to look up the term entrepreneur if you don't know what it means. But to me, it means somebody that is able to stake out their own fortune and taking control of their destiny, usually through business. There's this really interesting moment in this chapter where Balram um, sort of tells the Premier about this moment that he has. And this is the first time that he mentions Pinky Madam and Mr. Ashok, who are basically his masters. He works for them as a driver, and we'll find out more about that as we progress. And Pinky Madam and Mr. Ashok, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, my pronunciation of some of the terms as we go on is going to be terrible, but I'll do my best. Um, Mr. Ashok basically teases Balram by asking questions that he knows that Balram is not going to know the answers to because he is from a low caste, he obviously hasn't had the chance to be educated to, you know, a very significant level. And he asks him these questions knowing full well that Balram won't be able to respond to them. And he does this, Mr. Ashok, to prove a point to Pinky Madam. And there's this really interesting quote when he says, the thing is, talking about Baram, the thing is, he probably has, what, two, three years of schooling in him? He can read and write, but he doesn't get what he's read. He's half-baked. He's half-baked. The country's full of people like him. I'll tell you that. And it's a really interesting quote to take note of because this is a novel, like I've said a few times before, of contrast. And one of those contrasts is between the incredibly wealthy members of the population of India, but also the incredibly poor, who is represented by Balram at certain stages in this novel. And I think that the moment after this where Balram says that, that night I was lying in bed inside my mosquito net thinking about his words. He was right, sir, speaking to Wenjabal, but I didn't like the way he'd spoken about me. But he was right. And that's the thing about Balram. He has to remain silent and not show any real emotion, frustration or anger towards his masters. Because as you can imagine, if he did, he'd be out on his butt. But it eats away at him. And there's these moments in the novel, and we find out more later on, where this rage, this really strong, hot anger starts to build in him and eventually that rage, that red hot anger is going to find an outlet and that's just another sort of foreshadowing that Adiga does throughout the text. 
As this chapter progresses, Balram reveals that there was a wanted poster for him, which foreshadows again it's some sort of crime that Balram has committed, but Adiga doesn't reveal it until later on. The next thing that I wanted to make a note of in this chapter is that he describes that on the poster there's um, a bit of information that says Balram Hawaii alias Mana. Names and Names and what they mean and what they represent is something that's really important to this novel as well. Balram has several names throughout this text, and we'll get into more of them as we go into different chapters. But these are the first two that we've been introduced to. Actually, no, these are the first three that we've been introduced to because he calls himself the White Tiger in the letter that he addresses to Wenjabao. So we have three names so far. The White Tiger, the significance of which we'll get into more as we um, go further into the novel. Balram, which is the name that he was given by a teacher, and Mana. Mana means boy. And what that symbolises is that Balram's parents were unable to actually give him a name. He didn't really have a name until he went to school. He was just called Mana, which is boy. And it's really significant, and Adiga uses names in the novel to represent different things. So that's something that I would take note of in your reading of the text as you go. Balram goes on to note that on the poster, after mentioning his name, Balram Hawaii and Mana, it mentions where he comes from, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I probably am. It says, the suspect comes from the village of Luxmanag. Like I said earlier in this podcast, setting is always incredibly important in this novel. So the first thing that you might want to do is take note of the fact that Balram writes his letters from Bangalore, so the reader knows that he's going to wind up there eventually. But his story starts off in this small village of Luxembourg, so it's an important thing to make note of as you go. Another important quote that he makes after he reveals where he grew up is that he says, you see, my story begins far away from Bangalore. You see, I am in the light now, but I was raised in the darkness. Do you see that contrast? Light and darkness? This is another really important concern that Adiga is going to touch on throughout the novel, so you might want to just make note of that light and darkness. Balram describes the village that he grows up in in a really interesting way and the phrases darkness and the light are going to be explored a lot throughout the text. They get repeated time and time again but this is a really lengthy quote but I think it's a really useful one. He describes where he grew up to Winjabao. I'm talking about a place in India, at least a third of the country, a fertile place full of rice fields and wheat fields and ponds in the middle of those fields choked with lotuses and water lilies and water buffaloes wading through the ponds and chewing on the lotuses and lilies. Those who live in this place call it the darkness. Please understand, Your Excellency, that India is two countries in one, an India of the light and an India of the darkness. The ocean brings light to my country. Every place on the map of India near the ocean is well off. But the river brings darkness to India, the Black River. We'll get to the importance of the river that Balram describes in a moment, but I want you to make note of that idea of India being a place of contrast, that it has incredibly wealthy areas, but also incredibly poverty-stricken areas. And this level of poverty is something that in Australia we're probably unfamiliar with, 
but it's the poorest of the poor that you can imagine. So Balram describes, you know, his start to life growing up in this village as essentially starting at the very bottom rung of his hierarchy, born into a caste where presumably he's not going to be able to escape. He starts off in a tea-making caste where he's essentially an indentured servant, which means that he's born to be a servant, and he doesn't have any opportunity to be released from it until he takes matters into his own hands later, but we'll get into that. After Balram describes the village that he grows up in, he reflects on, I think, probably one of the most significant events of his childhood, and it's the death of his mother. I think that the reason he tells um, the Premier about this moment is because it's a really seminal one in his psychological development. It's really important to him, and I think that because this novel is told in flashback, you have this really interesting technique that Adiga does where he has the older Balram looking back on his younger self. And you would know that when you guys can look back on your younger self, like let's say you think about yourself in early primary school or even in year seven, you're able to bring a certain level of maturity and insight when you look back on yourself. And I think that Balram does that in some ways throughout the novel. So Balram describes his mother being carried out to the Ganges River, which is a really significant symbol in the story, and we'll get to that. But he describes his mother um, being placed by the river and about to be cremated by the family. So they're following traditional sort of ways of um, disposing of the dead. And he describes what happens in that moment with his mother. So he starts off by describing the river and her body. I looked at the ooze and I looked at my mother's flexed foot and I understood. This mud was holding her back, this big swelling mound of black ooze. She was trying to fight the black mud. Her toes were flexed and resisting, but the mud was sucking her in, sucking her in. It was so thick and more of it was being created every moment as the river washed into the gaps. Soon she would become part of the black mound and the pale-skinned dog would start licking her. And then I understood. This was the real god of Benares, this black mud of the Ganja into which everything died and decomposed and was reborn from and died into again. The same thing would happen to me when I died and they would bring me here. Nothing would get liberated from here. I stopped breathing. This was the first time in my life that I fainted. I think this is a really important moment to make note of because I think to Balram, this imagery of the river being something black and oozy that is going to drag his mother in and it also represents the cycle of life in India. You're born, you die and you get reincarnated, this idea that everything's a cycle but you can't escape from it. And I think that the river represents that to Balram. It represents this social structure that he's been born into, this caste system, which is what we're going to go through in class, and that he's not able to escape from it. He's trapped and his response for that is to physically break down and faint. So a very important moment in the text so far. So we're going to leave this podcast here and I'll continue on next. Thanks for listening. Please don't ask if you have any questions at all.